Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. LeBron James, the Lakers, free agency, all of it here with ESPN front office insider Bobby Marks. Let's get to it. Bobby, we're back here at the Double Tree Hilton overlooking the cliffs and the ocean, <laughs> the ocean front um, in uh, Bristol, Connecticut. Um, just plowing our way through, you know, week of free agency, sports centers and news and, and everything. And we're going to cap it off with a pod here tonight. How are you, man? You still awake? You, you, you ready to get through this? I am. It's the, uh, I, I owe it to those soft, warm chocolate chip cookies they give out at the front <laughs> desk. So we're ready to go. I have more Hilton points. I don't know how to access them. <laughs> like I've always been a Marriott guy. I signed up for that Hilton program. I've really not gone into the profile. I don't know how to book a Hilton. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to book points. I don't know that I really want to stay at one and go away. I just want to, you know what? Let me ask you this. I've heard of this with teams. Now we're talking about Marriott points. I've heard of executives who have taken points from their organization, players, front office people, and plowed them all into one account. That that happens, doesn't it? Oh, that happens, especially now when Ritz and Carlton, I think, are Marriott yep. property. That's, a, that's so that's now true. you could use. Um, I mean, every team stays at a Ritz or a Four Seasons, and now you can use the. Uh, you spread those points around, and and somebody winds up getting them. <laughs> it's a nice vacation in the offseason. I mean, I, I heard of one. I heard of one person in the league who somehow wound up with like two and a half million points <laughs> in a year. That's insane. <laughs> That is well. That's the travel. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the no travel. two and a half million from like lobbing them in from everybody else. It's not his, <laughs> like everybody else's, staff, you know, staffs. And um, anyway, LeBron James going to the Lakers and now the building out of this Lakers roster. I understood Rondo. I thought Rondo was a great get for them, and I think he'll be really good for Lonzo Ball. And I think Lonzo Ball needs to be challenged and. They're not going to placate him anymore and his family. The one that – there's not a lot of shooting there right now. And the one that really surprised me was Lance Stevenson for this reason. <laughs> Lance has not played well anywhere but Indiana. He has been such a fish out of water everywhere he's gone. Charlotte, they were trying to trade him back to Indiana like three weeks in. You know how this ends. Like in November, December, they're going to be calling the Pacers to take him back. Like he just – he doesn't do well anywhere else. No, he doesn't. And, you know, when he was in Charlotte, I, when I was in Brooklyn, I took a trip down there. We were interested in getting him. In, we, we actually did have him in a trade. And, I remember, uh, I remember we woke that. up, I think I woke up at three in the morning and Billy woke up at the same time, Billy King. And I think he, we were both texting each other saying, we can't do this, can we? <laughs> and we did not do it. And we were going to get Lance Stevenson and I think like Marvin Williams Brooke, for Brooke, for Brooke, Brooke Lopez. Lopez. But I went down there. One of the 126 deals for Brooke that fell through before uh, he was ever traded. I know. And it took Sean Marks to finally trade him. (laughs) But I went down to Charlotte when he signed that. I think it was like that two-year deal, pretty high number to go watch. Just I went down and watched him. And he was warming up on the practice court at that Charlotte arena. And I stood on the sidewalk and just watched him. And he he worked up a nice sweat. And then I went and watched And he was so bad. In that game, and I called and I told Billy, I said, but you're right, everywhere outside of. And that would have been coming home to Brooklyn, which is a whole other set of questions you had to evaluate. Yeah, and that, that had a big role in it, but you're right. I mean, Indiana, he was really good, but everywhere else, he's been terrible. 
Um, and now you go into a Laker team, um, into Los Angeles. I don't know where the fit is with him, you know, certainly coming off the bench. I think if you rank the signings, Rondo, I think was probably the most important for a lot of reasons. Um, mentorship on court, uh, the ability to play starter minutes. Um, but it was interesting because we had LeBron came off the board, um, you know, Sunday, um, you know, Sunday night and all the signings came really quick. It was almost like they had run the list by him before he had committed, or mm-hmm. these sort of players mm-hmm. he recommended to go out and get, and, and Lance Stevenson and Jamal McGee was on the list. I will just say he's a he's the greatest, maybe the greatest player ever. Is certainly he and Michael. I'm not sure he's the greatest GM, and it's not fair. Listen, where just because somebody runs it by you and you say, yeah, that's fine, it's not his responsibility, and it isn't. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm surprised. You know, he talked about in Cleveland at the end. And I think he was talking publicly, and I think I heard people privately that this was important, and it makes sense. I think especially after game one when J.R. Smith didn't know to score uh, at the end and didn't put a shot up when maybe they could have stole game one. And he said, I want to play with high IQ. Essentially, paraphrasing, I want to play with high IQ players. I want to play with – and um, <laughs> that's not exactly the group they put together uh, fully for him. Uh, Rondo's a – he's a savant. We know that, but – the rest of the group's a little, little more limited. Well, you're right. I mean, it's, it, it's, and it's going to be hard because you have such an interesting mix of young, uh, you have the young core there and now you have, um, this group coming in and it's not easy, you know, it, mixing and matching, um, you know, many new faces. I mean, Boston's been able to do it with Brad Stevens, but you know, Brad's, Brad is in a different, different level right now. Um, It'll be interesting. They still got a little bit of money left to go out and get a guy before they can sign Lance and, and Javel McGee. As far as who that, you know, who that person is going to uh, going to be. One thing I don't know that's been talked enough about. I think it will be in time. Is the challenge here for Luke Walton? I've heard that since not just the commitment of LeBron, but as they built the roster out, almost every guy they brought in presents challenge. Rondo's been a challenge for coaches. In different ways, Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, um, Contavious Caldwell Pope, frankly, has been, um, in different ways. And LeBron presents an incredible challenge because there really hasn't been one coach where it's gone really smoothly and some it's gone very poorly with. He's, he's brilliant. He's probably, he, he knows the game in a way that almost no one else does. Um, but he's been for different reasons, um, not accepting. It was really tough for Eric Spolster early. Spolster challenged LeBron, asked him to do things he hadn't done before, which would be a lot more disciplined on defense to how they used them. There was a lot of stuff early on there. Spolster earned his respect. And Mike Brown earlier in his career, and then obviously David Blatt was a disaster from the beginning, really. And and Ty Lue, I think there was pretty strong mutual respect there. Um but but not always without challenge. And so I think Luke Walton, um, a lot of coaches and executives in the league really interested to see how this goes. I, I think what you know is this with, with the Lakers. Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka did not hire Luke Walton. They inherited him. Jeannie Buss is fiercely loyal to him. She has protected him. I think there were times last year where management thought that team was underachieving early, and then they, they got on a surge and played much better down the stretch. Um, but 
she, to this point, has not let anyone mess with Wallen. And it will be interesting to see how LeBron takes to him and what that means because it's different with LeBron. She, if, if he doesn't take to him, they'll have to get a new coach. Like, like he's going to have to want to play for him. And I'm not presuming that LeBron won't love him, but history says it hasn't gone always gone great off the bat. I just think that's going to really be interesting to watch because the pressure on him from the very beginning is going to be intense. Well, and you go from a rebuild of his first two years and now you're have the bullseye on you. I mean, they, although Golden State is the best team in the, in the NBA, but you have a, I mean, you have a target on you. Um, and if I was Luke Walton, what I would do is I would spend as much time as I could with, with Eric Spolstra and either at Summer League in Vegas or, you know, in the offseason and, and sit with him and figure out not, not really about X's and O's, but how do I coach? You know, how do I coach LeBron? Um, kind of just figure out. You know some of the trigger points there, but yeah, you're you're right. Because Spolstra did do some of that with Mike Brown. They had a relationship, and um, before he before he took over. Yeah, I mean because you know, I mean, is this team a you know and they they're not in a Golden State Houston level, um, but there is an expectation there that you know that this is going to be one of the better teams in the Western Conference. Yeah, th- this idea that. This team's going to be expected to win. They're they're going to be expected to have a home court advantage in the first round series, um, and they should. I mean, if there's there's talent if, if Ball is healthy, and Ball's another thing too. And I guess we'll get to it. We're going to talk about some of the trade stuff, but that knee, the meniscus injury that's going to require surgery. I know this. The team didn't want that information out, and I don't believe, at least intentionally, from at least from upper management. There were a lot of teams who, as teams were trying to figure out who wanted to do trades with the Lakers or who thought they might be in position to, they were trying to figure out what was going on with that knee. And I don't think the Lakers wanted anyone to know. And I think there's a belief around there that that information was put out there from around Ball's sphere to keep from getting traded. Because with if, if teams knew he was having knee surgery, well, you're not trading for him. And I think there was concern in there that he might be put in a deal. Well, yeah, and and you know the big thing for him is, I mean, he's he's missed. He played fifty two games last year. I mean, he missed mostly half of his rookie season, and uh, I think that's a big reason why Rondo was signed because he can't stay on the court here. Um, and he is. This is a different. You know, this is not fun in games anymore as a rookie. The LeVar show's <laughs> over. Yeah, it, it, it ended. Yeah, yeah, it ended on Saturday, uh, Sunday night <laughs> when we got that, me- when we got that memo. Um, but yeah, I mean, but I mean, he is a talented, he is a da- talented player, but, um, you know, what we see from Lonzo and how he handles LeBron will be really fascinating here because I think LeBron and, and, and some of the veterans, they'll, they'll accelerate his, um, his game, but as I said, it's, it, it just comes down to staying on the court healthy. Today's episode of the Woj Pod is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Woj. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over a 100 of the web's leading job boards 
but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of the employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Woj. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Woj, W-O-J. ZipRecruiter.com slash Woj. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The pathway now to try to do a Kawhi Leonard trade is was made more difficult. Um, the Lakers have shown so far in these talks with San Antonio that if any of us thought that they were going to be feel an urgency to get a deal done, they haven't. They haven't. Um, there's nothing about these talks that make you think they feel like they have to get Kawhi Leonard now, and maybe it's posturing, and maybe it'll intensify, and maybe they're going to try to wait the Spurs out. Um, the best thing if Kawhi Leonard wants to get to the Lakers is to keep putting out what he's done so far. I won't resign with any other team. If you trade for me, I'm a rental. And that pushes teams off, and it limits what they're willing to offer. Um, teams can roll the dice and think we'll, we'll be able to convince him. Here's what I, in my conversations around with teams who might like to get involved, some who have gotten involved and some who've sort of stayed on the periphery. Um, and a lot of teams have called and registered interest and made an offer that what the Spurs don't do in trade talks is they don't call you back and say, well, we'd like this and this instead. For the most part, you make your offer, they put it on their board, and they don't necessarily – they don't go back to everybody. And some teams they do, but they sort of want you to keep making offers. Um, and uh, I think with – and this actually works in favor um, for Leonard is because he doesn't really have a traditional agent set up. He has an uncle. He has an agent who is more of a football agent, who's not as well known with the basketball guys, who I think is sort of marginal, been marginalized in this. They don't know who to talk to. They don't, there's nobody who has a track record. So if you have an agent who you've done business with for years, you have a trust level, you know what his word means, you trust them, and you're going to have to do business with him again. If he tells you Kawhi would consider your team, or he absolutely won't consider your team, you sort of have a, some working knowledge of who you're talking to, what to believe. It's harder with, with his group. And so as one GM said to me, how do I go to my owner and say, if we trade for him and what is their word? Like, I don't know what to tell my owner about whether to believe what they say. I don't know any of them and very few, if any of the teams do. And in <laughs> that way, again, it's another reason why teams are a little reticent to, to make big offers and then the other thing is the health, not knowing the medical, not having the medical. Philly's unique because they're one of their primary team physicians was the doctor that Kawhi went to for a second opinion in New York, which I think on the surface people go, how can that be? But it just is. And so Philly probably has more, I think it's very conceivable Philly has more medical knowledge of Kawhi Leonard than the Spurs do because their doctors had more access to him. Well, no, and I think we'll start with just from a Lakers perspective. 
I don't see a reason why, if they feel like they can get him in the offseason, I know they got spurned by Paul George, why you would go out and kind of put your best offer out there. And it will be extremely challenging now based on all their signings and trying to make a deal work with the money, unless you really want to stretch that Luol Deng contract. And there is, no, I have no belief that they ever, they want to do that. They can use that the following year to get rid rid of it. It's on the last year or, or, you know, stretch it out over, uh, over three years. And when you're talking about the hard part, when he does not have a traditional agent, um, to get, as I say, back channeling the information. I remember when we went through the, the Carmelo situation in New Jersey in 2000, um, 10, 11, you know, Leon Rose was the agent for Carmelo and we relied on Leon a lot to get, to try to get a feel if Carmelo would sign with, um, with, with us in New Jersey, it was, you know, with us in New York and, and Leon was very honest with us and kind of laid it out and we had to understand, like, a, so if we traded for him, we had an idea that Carmelo probably would, would sign, um, and we, 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 um, we relied on him. The one thing that would be interesting, and I don't know if San Antonio would ever do this, and I think you might be able to get a better, some better offers. Does it get to a point where the Spurs give permission to either Boston or Philadelphia a 24 hour window where they can meet with Kawhi Leonard like we did with Carmel Anthony? Oh, we, we didn't, but we, our, our guys pulled out of that meeting. <laughs> the, the infamous Russian, uh, pulled the out press of the, conference, meet, yeah. the press conference. And I think that, that, by the way, that was the least believable <laughs> press conference I've ever been to. I'm announcing that I'm out of these trade talks. I'm like, okay, we'll be back. And then like a week later, you're back in. Yeah. 10 days maybe after. Yeah. And, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and I think if you can get a sit down with him from a team standpoint, it, it is rarely done, um, that way. Um, I think you probably would have a little better feeling. I don't know if San Antonio would ever agree to that. Um, it becomes a little bit of a circus. Um, there's so much acrimony between the sides now. I think it's, it's harder to, to do business like that. It, but I, I just see as this goes on, you, you know, when you're moving all stars, you never get a, you never get a, you never get a home run deal back. And it seems as the years have gone on, and I wonder, and we can talk about why this is. Masai Ujiri was a brand new GM. He was hired in Denver. Dave Griffin had turned that job down. I want, I, I, I am certain he was the lowest paid GM in the league. It was, they might have hired him at like $350,000, $400,000, which wasn't, wasn't that long ago. And Masai comes in and he's with Josh Crocky, the owner's son, uh, who's now the, you know, runs everything, but Josh was young. And those two have to navigate that. And looking back, they did it brilliantly. That became, and it was Carmelo Anthony. It wasn't LeBron James. It wasn't Kevin Durant. Carmelo wasn't that. Uh, he was at, in his prime, but he, he was a flawed star. And they created a bidding frenzy over months and pitting Brooklyn against New York, especially. And it is legendary in those last hours what Masai was able to um, I just get out of New York more yeah, and more what at he the extracted end. out of them. It was incredible. Yeah. And he kept getting more just deals done. No, I want Mozgov deals. No, I want another pick. And he got it. And it was part of it was because Dolan got involved and Donnie Walsh had a strategy and Dolan just imploded it. And, um, but that hasn't happened since. And you look at Paul George's Oladipo and Sabonis, but you know, Chris Paul, I mean, that was a sign and trade, but, for the most part, 
those days are over um, of multiple picks and multiple young players. And if there was ever going to be a player who could get it, you'd say it's Kawhi Leonard. Now he is coming off the injury. What changed Chris Paul leaving New Orleans to go to the Clippers? That was a big package they had to give up. Why is it so much harder now to get a, just the packets are, the packages are much more muted when a big player is available. Bidding frenzies don't happen. And it sort of ended, I mean, the apex of it was the Maasai Denver trade. And it's, it's different now. Well, it's different, I think, because teams value draft picks so much now that how the, how the cap is and the collective bargaining agreement where you can build out your roster with, um, first round picks. And I think, the the other way is the other reason why is, is that although there's a an um, enticement to keep players because of you can keep them on a five year contract and bigger raises, we've seen guys take short term deals and go back out in free agency, um, and sometimes that extra fifth year doesn't mean anything anymore. When the owners put that in in the collective bargaining agreement, when when that fifth year financially meant so much more, they thought it was going to be such an advantage for the incumbent. They hoped it would be, which meant in a lot of cases, a smaller market team. They had such a financial advantage to stay where you are. And that five years, being able to offer that extra year, they thought would be big. And it's meant almost nothing. That the players have wanted to do shorter deals. Players are empowered by doing a shorter deals. One, you can keep pressure on the organization. Two, you got an escape valve if you want to get out. Um, you know, I think like Carmelo, when he did the deal in New York, when he did the five years with Phil Jackson and, you know, he, he didn't really, I don't know. He really wanted to stay. I mean, he looked at Chicago and Houston and, but around his group, there was sort of like this feeling of you'll take the money now and you'll fix the destination later. And even then to his credit, he never wanted out. He, he loved New York and he, even when they sucked, he was, he didn't love that, but he, he never really wanted to leave. And they sort of made it at the end. Like, you know, Phil just pushed so hard and then, by the time Scott Perry took over, it was too late. But, um, yeah, it's just – it's been no advantage. And I've heard GMs say, even with the last CBA, we need to make it even – we need to create even more advantages for the incumbent team. And um, But if guys are willing to take less money and guys want to play together, you, you can't legislate anything to, to change it. No, you, you can't. I mean, um, you know, even with, you know, the – you know, designated player veteran extension, you know, exception that entices teams to keep. I mean, I mean, we're, we see it right now with, with Kawhi and, and San Antonio. I mean, if things had worked out, he would have been lined up for a $219 million contract. I mean, but, but that's probably going to go by the wayside right now. Today's episode of the Woj Pod is also brought to you by Mattress Firm. Who doesn't think they're getting enough great sleep and would like to score big? with a mattress upgrade. Well, Mattress Firm is here for you to do just that. Whether you're sore from a game of pickup soccer or haven't played sports in years, they have a mattress for everybody and every budget. And right now, when you use the code PODCAST10 at mattressfirm.com slash podcast, you can take an additional 10% off already low prices. Mattress Firm has more than 3,000 stores nationwide, meaning there are no road games for finding a perfect bed at the perfect price because they're near you. And they'll deliver it to you on the same or next day for free. Talk about delivering in the clutch. And you can even sleep on it for 120 nights to make sure it fits like a glove. Head to mattressfirm.com slash podcast. Use podcast 10 and take 10% off today. 
and start sleeping better tomorrow. They'll always have the perfect game plan in place to ensure you the best mattress for your body and budget. How much more valuable is Kawhi in LA from marketing, shoe company? Is a mark, he, he's not a pitchman and he, he, nobody knows what his voice sounds like. Um, there hasn't been a player like him in this modern era. I mean, no one ever hears him talk and it's by design and certainly he can sell shoes and they turned down a pretty significant shoe deal. I, for a lot of players, being in LA means like LeBron has proved it. Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook have proved it. You can be in Cleveland, Oklahoma City. You can get the biggest endorsement deals in the world. It doesn't matter where you are, but all that is amplified if you're in New York or LA, especially if your team's good in LA. I, I do wonder what, what if really anything it's going to mean for Kawhi Leonard. I, I don't know that the value is there with him. No, I don't. I agree. You know, because there is so much the the off the court unknown of Kawhi Leonard as as great of a player he is. Now you put him in a big market, you take him out of San Antonio, and who is he? You know, and now he he is probably number two to LeBron. I mean, and that's the reality of it. And I've been told that one of the reasons he's, you know, he looks at going to the Clippers or is a little less motivated because I think initially the idea of LA was fine to him with Lakers. He preferred the Lakers, but it was open to the Clippers. But now that LeBron's in LA, I think the idea of going ahead to head with LeBron to, to have you with the Clippers, him with the Lakers and to maybe feel dwarfed by that is, is I'm told that's become far less appealing for him. Yeah. I mean, and you know, with the Clippers, it would have been interesting. And I, we wrote about it today. It, you know, sometimes it's all about timing and it would be interesting if if the draft was now instead of a month ago, where the Clippers would be with Kawhi Leonard because your lottery picks lose a little bit less value when when there's a name attached to it. Um, and nothing, not discrediting um, what the Clippers did, but you know maybe if there was a deal now and there was a twelfth and thirteenth pick in the draft, and maybe a player like Tobias Harris, that might be a, more of appealing for San Antonio compared to. You know, Shea Gillages, Alexander, who maybe they didn't have high on their board. I mean, that's how I, I look at it, where the, what the value of, of where, where the Clippers are. Bobby, where do you think the Spurs leverage is right now? I think it's not as high as they probably think it is. And you are not going to win the trade. I mean, it, in the reality, as far as an all-star, it, it's, it's been proven that what you can get back in return is not the value of what the player is. Um, I think if you wait it out, it, I, it, the player loses value as the weeks go by. I think getting into the season, it's, it'll be, I mean, it's movable, but I think what you can get in the summer is a lot more appealing because maybe there is an opportunity for Boston or Philadelphia if they think where you have a whole year to recruit him, to keep him there instead of come January or February. Now you only have four months, but I think if there's, if there, if there's a deal for San Antonio, um, that makes sense. I think you do it now and you don't wait until, until the regular season. And I think people, I think in the public consciousness, this has been a, say a recent story it went on all year, but it has been weighing on the Spurs organization since Almost this time last year, their season ended and then his injury. And then in August, by, it was August when he took the medical out of their organization. The tension was there. Those issues were there and it was, it was there 
before we started writing about it, it's taken a toll. Like it takes a toll on everybody. And, and I just, it's going to take staying power on their part to continue this through the summer and then potentially into preseason. Um, I don't, I think there's hope that maybe he'll want to take, yes, that he'll want to take that offer, but I don't think he's going to get off. I don't think the Spurs are going to offer him that 219 million until they have come to some kind of understanding. Like you're not offering that contract to somebody who's angry with you. And it, there's no, there's no point to it. And, and that's why I believe it hasn't happened yet. Well, and when, what I'm learning with these high numbers is that when you sign it, it basically becomes an untradeable contract because of, I mean, you're paying a guy 40 to $45 million. So, I mean, could you imagine having a player who's unhappy and is making $40 million? And here's what one team said to me. He's a top five player, top three player, wherever you want to put him. That's what he was. You saw him before he missed last season. And they say, what if he comes back and he's a top 20 player? Still really good, an all-star, perhaps, but not all-world. And now, but we're going to have to pay him like he's all-world. We're going to have to pay him... You, know, you trade. Let's say he's traded. I mean, what's his starting salary? Mid thirties, right? Oh yeah, 30, 33, 34 right. million. You don't want to pay that for a top twenty player. You'll pay that for a top ten player, but if he's top twenty or top thirty, and nobody knows the toll that that quad injury has taken on his body, that he's going to play, but will he be diminished in some way? And I do think perhaps his value could rise again by getting on the court and being the player that he was. Um. But you're waiting. Then you're, you know, you're really, you're really going to play this out in the training camp, and um, it'll hang over everything they do. I, I, to me, it's it's hard to imagine him walking back in the doors. I think it's hard for him to imagine walking back in. But he is under contract, and if he wants to make, if he wants to get paid next year. He's going to have to show up. Well, and and the other thing is, is that making trades in the off season from a from a physical health standpoint are so much harder than during the season because. You have the player come in and do a physical. It's not like you're going to throw him on the basketball court and let him play three on three. Um, and with, with Leonard, I mean, your first look at him is probably going to be open gym in September. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's the, re- that's the reality of it. I don't think he'd be at the open gym in <laughs> September. I, I think he'd be, if he was going to show up, I think he'd be at the first day of training camp. Uh, well, Bobby, on to summer league later this week. I'm going to grind through free agency. Here for a few more days. I'll miss you in the building. It's going to be pretty. It's going to be pretty barren I, on July fourth. Our editor has gone back to California. Our front office insider is going back to Florida, and uh, I don't know. I might. Um, I'm having breakfast with my sister in the morning, so I'll see. You know, and then I'm off to. Uh, yeah, off to you know grind out. See if Kyrie. See if uh, Spurs might want to trade Kawhi one of these days, and. And maybe start put the summer to bed a little bit. Well, it sounds good. And I'll, I'll miss those grilled chicken sandwiches that I've eaten in the calf for 10 days in a row here. We'll get some home cooking for a couple of days. All right. Enjoy it, Bobby. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to my guest today, ESPN front office insider, Bobby Marks. Remember, you can subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes of this podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your shows. And, of course, a big thank you to our sponsors, Mattress Firm and ZipRecruiter. Be sure to support them the way they support us here at the Woj Pod. Have a great, safe holiday. We'll catch you next time.